Love's a big game hunter Who held a poison dart I was game and you took aim And struck me through my heart Now I'm trapped in the web of love Trapped in the web of love Trapped, I'm trapped Trapped in the web of love Episode 183 for July 2012. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example in this episode is on Spider-Man number 5, and this one wraps up the miniseries, where Miles Morales meets Peter Parker. And in this one, Spidey tries to get back to his reality, and will he give Miles the blessing of the webs? Now, the cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just a buck ninety-nine, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Welcome back, gang. Sire, this one's taking a little bit of time to get out. As you know, sometimes life gets in the way of our hobbies. But anyway, we're starting this episode with one of my favorite segments, which is This Month in Spider History with JR. And we're going back to June 1974. Love of love. Amazing Spider-Man number 133 came out. This one has uh, Spider-Man on the cover fighting the Molten Man. Caption reads, the Molten Man's got Spider-Man by the neck over a train that says, I may be dying while Crawler consumed by my own body heat, but I'm going to take you with me. The battle to the finish with the Molten Man. This one was written by Jerry Conway, art by Ross Andrew. And evidently, JR, the Molten Man hasn't been seen for a hundred year, a hundred issues, not a hundred years. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Uh, in, fa- yeah. in fact, there was another character that hadn't been seen for about a hundred issues. Uh, really, issue Amazing 133 is the second part of a two-part story. Uh, unfortunately, going through the issues this month, uh, this month, I just they 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 don't have the utter inanity and silliness of some of our previous months. So no. I know just not as many chuckles and not as although the uh, the, the upcoming team up ones got a, got a couple of them. But uh, anyway, this, like I said, this is a second part. The first part uh, actually brought back that other character who hadn't been seen in a hundred issues, none other than Liz Allen. And uh, so basically, uh, what what they apparently what they do in the Marvel universe, if you if characters haven't been seen for a hundred issues and you bring them back in the same issue, that makes them related. So what we find out here uh, is that the reason that Liz disappeared for a hundred issues is not that li- you know that little known fact that basically there was nowhere to go with their character, that Stan was bored with writing her, that there were other girls to write about. No, 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 no. She really disappeared. Because Mark Raxton was her stepbrother, and because she felt responsible for the fact that, oh, he was basically an unethical science who worked with Spencer Smythe, who got himself covered by a golden alloy and turned, in, turned into a criminal. She feels responsible for all that. So that when, uh, that when the, the, basically, that when his body starts to feel the ill effects of all the stupid things that he's done to it, you know, therefore she has to give up her life, become a nurse, and take care of him. So that's where she's been for the last hundred issues. And obviously, uh, exposure to the Molten Man, because we learned that exposure to the Molten Man uh, 
Well, apparently he's uh, because that super power pill radiation is partially responsible for what the condition he's in. He's actually giving off radiation, which is why Spider-Man kind of falls a little sick at the end of Spider-Man one or issue one thirty-two. Now is because the Molten Man is is radioactive. So. Uh, and I totally forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yes, yes, I see. The prolonged exposure to the Molten Man, obviously, by Liz, has made her and Peter forget that when Liz and Mary Jane talk about how they really didn't get along in high school, Liz has obviously <laughs> been affected because they didn't meet in high school. Actually, <laughs> one, one one scene in issue 25. 25, where she walks in and Mary Jane, for our purposes, is obscured behind the flower, you know, and Liz sees her. But the implication is that they had, a, in the writing, is that there was some kind of re- relationship, at least. And so they start, ta- you know, ta- sharing coffee and talking like old friends, and MJ lets her, lets her bunk with her, even though these two do not know each other whatsoever. So <laughs> That's funny. Um, anyway, so where, where we are in issue 133 is that the Molten Man is trying to steal uh, isotopes and is trying to recreate the original experiment because for some reason he thinks that if he redoes the experiment that turned him into this uh, walking, talking lava pit in the first place, that, if he, that he'll be able to reverse it. And what's happened is now the, the, the cumulative impact uh, of his physiological condition is literally causing him to dissolve. So he's getting more and more frantic and more and more desperate all the time. So basically he and Spider-Man, or Spider-Man spends the entire issue chasing him. And then they finally, and then they finally meet and fight. And the Molten Man escapes and, you know, and he puts on a plastic mask and the plastic mask melts and he scares everybody on a subway train and Spider-Man finds him. And basically how this ends, is that Spider-Man, they're on a bridge, and Spider-Man takes his backpack of radioactive isotopes, throws it into the East River, and the Molten Man, you know, screams and says, I've got to retrieve them or I'm doomed, and he leaps into the water and... No more Molten Man. (laughs) That is until, what, issue 172, which basically has written by Len Wein, which is basically the exact same plot yeah. of the Molten Man stealing stuff and because because he's going to die, and then th- and in 173 instead of dissolving, he just blows up. So uh, <laughs> anyway, that was well. Slot, Slot did the same story a while back with Harry Osborn going up to uh, uh, see Liz with the Molten Man. Or no, did Slot do that that one? That was Mark yeah, Wade. Yeah, no, 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 that was Slot. Yeah, that was Slot. Okay. But that was the gotcha. How Harry came back. And this is right. another in the string of Conway. Uh, we we spoke about that. He he was killing people off left and right because Doc Ock and Hammerhead got killed off. and uh, Mysterio. Yeah, Mysterio got killed off panel, of all things. And, so, JR, it sounds like Molten Man's a one note character. Very much so. He's uh, very much so. Uh, although the thing, I always thought the lizard was a one-note character, and yet they're making yep. a major motion picture with him. So, I would guess probably what we can look for in Amazing Spider-Man Two in 2014 is the Molten Man as a villain. <laughs> and uh, you know, basically, what'll happen is every what 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 they do is they'll come out with a, an action figure that'll be coated with kerosene and matches, and so <laughs> can, you know, and so kids can buy them and, from Walmart for you know eight ninety nine and. Uh, uh, you know, light the matches and set the Molten Man on fire and watch the results. He looks very Human Torchish. 
You know? The Sony well, executives will be like, does he have to be in his underwear? You know, can we... Can, <laughs> well, they put Norman Osborn in, in his tidy whities you know? <laughs> can, we, can we put him in a robe, you know, maybe... Uh, and make him a rapper for some reason. Well, at least maybe they could put him in a lab coat, you know, so... <laughs> but anyway, so, that, that was... Good months were amazing. Was that a good issue? Did you like it, or...? Well, it was typical Jerry Conway 70s stuff. You know, I mean, it, it, it's not as outlandish as the, um, you know, Doc Ock and Aunt May getting married. But but, but what's really fun, actually, is just some of these uh, uh, typical for comics of that time, these long rants, particularly in issue 132, where when Molten Man and Spider-Man confront each other for the first time in over 100 issues, Raxton goes into like at least a three-paragraph uh, you know, well, you know, Spider-Man says, "No, why? Why? You know, it can't be you." And then Raxton goes, "Why can't it be me? You know, I'm not as smart as your other characters, but I've come back more powerful. Or have you already forgotten?" And then he tells him his origin story. Uh, oh yeah. And then you know goes into that. And uh, although and we know he's a si- we know he's a scientist because he uses uh, you know big words because he calls Spider-Man <laughs> a puerile fool. So, you know, that's you know, definitely something that uh, shows how smart he is compared to some of the other characters. You don't see Sandman calling Spider-Man a, a puerile fool. So. I, I always like to put it in context. What were you doing in June 74? Did you get this one off the rack or what? I actually, believe it or not, uh, I did yeah. not start collecting Amazing Spider-Man um, to, for good until the next month, issue 134. Uh, oh, really? That was your first? Well, that was... <laughs> well, my first... <laughs> It was on a spring day. It was uh, <laughs> and a blanket and a tall shade tree. And I remember, yeah. but anyway, that's another story. And you were at Caffeinated Comics. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching some very rough sex. Ty- Tiger yeah. Hell JR. But Just a little too Tiger close. Hell JR, perhaps a little too <laughs> close. We'll be talking about too my first, uh, actually, probably ver- next. But, uh, you will? So, uh, no, I actually... Uh, I, I 134 one, was your first? I picked this one up later when it was Marvel Tales. Um, and oh, it, was, yeah. Yeah, it was a momentous issue of Marvel Tales because that was the last Marvel Tales I needed until I had caught up with the regular Amazing Spider-Man run when I started. Because okay. I picked up like Amazing 134 and then like Marvel Tales, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 something, which uh, was during the... Um, the ancient, the uh, ancient tablet saga with the kingpin, uh, right. and so it was like, man, I gotta, I, you know, I was counting down because I thought I'd be saving myself some money, you know. It's, oh man, ten more issues of Marvel Tales, and then I can stop because I'm caught up. So. <laughs> this is a long, but all the, these kids today, they have it so easy with their trade paperbacks, don't they? Oh well, yeah, uh, yes. I mean, after and even the essentials. I mean, after all, you could essentials. Yeah, we could we couldn't sit and read. 20 issues of Jerry Conway 70s Spider-Man back in our day, you know. No, exactly. We had to Marvel tail it each month. <laughs> uh, also came out in June 74, Marvel Team-Up, number 22. Spider-Man teams up with Hawkeye. On the cover, he's kicking some um, robots' butt. It says, action you want it, action you got it. Shock follows shock. Within these pages lurks the Messiah machine. This one is written by Len Wein, art by our buddy Sal Buscema. What's this one about, Jr.? Uh, well, um, you know, I noticed that Hawkeye still doesn't look anything, you know, never did look like Jeremy Renner. So I just, you know, don't know where they got that look. From. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is, this is your typical Marvel, Marvel uh, team, one-issue Marvel team-up. Uh, Hawkeye 
wants to get Spider-Man's attention. So he shoots a bunch of arrows at him. And then after after Spider-Man calms down after being shot at, Hawkeye says, hang loose, let me tell you a story. So we spend at least the next one, two, three and a half issues of Hawkeye. And, uh, and, I, I was telling this story about how oh I followed these bald robots to this mansion and I and then I know they're they're doing something fishy because they're all all a bunch of bald robots and when I went there with a uh, another robot came and blew my cover so Spidey we got to go to this mansion uh, because something fishy is really going on uh, now frankly I'm surprised that Spider Man stayed. For the full story, because like I said, it's a three and a half issue. I mean, I'm sorry, a three and a half page. Uh, guess where I've been? So, but you know, Spider-Man's convinced, and so he goes to uh, he follows Hawkeye back to this mansion, and they come face to face with the quasi motivational destruct organ. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 although this, this organ is rather short and squat. You know, it, it's, it's, not like, it's not like the one we were talking about in Stalker from the Stars where it was at least uh, one-third of, like, you know, Grady Strunk's height, so it meant like it was two foot long, you know. No, this is – actually, this is Quasimodo. So you can see where they get, you know, quasi Quasimodo had a quasi-motivational destruct organ. Uh, oh, wow. Wow. There. wow. Yeah. So Quasimo- <laughs> Quasimodo, uh, in his uh, in his quest, what, what uh, in his quest to take over the world, because what he's basic since Quasimodo is a robot himself, because he is an organ. I mean, he's a, ro- a mecha- he basically he's a mechanical organ, you know, um, and he probably vibrates too once he gets plugged in. Uh, <laughs> So, but for sale, his at his caffeinated comics. No. Yeah, his whole game is to plug himself into this uh, computer network and take over the world. Um, but fortunately, Hawkeye has plenty of arrows uh, in his quiver in which to stop him. In fact, if you go through all of the arrows that Hawkeye has here, um, let's see here. I know he's got. I mean, he only has this relatively small quiver on his back, so. Let's see. Hang on a second. Just going through here. Okay, he's got a parachute arrow. Okay, <laughs> and as well, first of all, first of all, what it, what had happened was uh, Spider-Man and Hawkeye got like sucked down into these, you know, pneumatic tubes. So they're like in, in these each in their own separate pneumatic tube, and then Quasimodo pushes a button and jettisons them, jettisons them out of the pneumatic tubes. And Hawkeye is able to stop himself because he uses his retro rocket arrow, you know. And he says, never could figure why I bothered to carry these jerky retro rocket arrows until now. And (laughs) not only did that come in handy, but also this parachute arrow takes up a lot of room in my quiver. But right now I'm not complaining. So wow. so we we have the retro rocket arrow and we have the uh, the parachute arrow and gosh darn it I know he's got some more here Doug This is so bad Oh here we go yes <laughs> yes 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 when he first went to this mansion where the bald robots were you know he he um he started fire you know Hawkeye he started firing arrows at him you know cuz that's what Hawkeye does Okay, he was. I wasn't certain what sort of arrows would affect these freaks, but I wasn't about to try guessing at that point, so I let them have the whole Megillah. So, 
All right. So the, the, the I'm not sure what a gila is, but I assume that it represents, you know, several. Anyway, here's what he had. <laughs> it's a gorilla, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He used, I'm sure it was something else before he was a gorilla. <laughs> yes. He used flare arrows. Okay. Oh, let's see here. Flare arrows, gas arrows, and electric arrows. So he had at least five arrows, types of arrows, in that quiver during this story. And when all is desperate, for example, at the very end, and Hawkeye and Spider-Man are outnumbered by, uh, by all these robots, Hawkeye goes for a desperation move. And so what he does is he just shoots an arrow into the air. It's a screwy idea, but the angle of the wall in this place looks right. So he shoots an arrow, hits a wall, it, ricoch- it ricochets, and as it ricochets from wall to wall, it's got this uh, string behind it or this electrical wire behind it, and it just so happens that this arrow, as it ricochets all over the room, wraps this electrical wire around all these robots, and then finally uh, lodges itself in the computer that the uh, vibrating organ is linked to, and it fries all of the bald robots, and it also fries Quasimodo's brain. So <laughs> that's the yeah he you know basically Quasimodo must have activated his command chair wow. just as you short circuited the works. The resulting feedback disintegrated his mind. You know, is this aimed for kids? I mean, I mean, and this was, is this like the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon for the 70s generation? I have to say here, let, let, me, let me see, let me go, how, how, let me do this, how Drake Bell would do it. He must have <laughs> activated his command chair, just as you short-circuited the works! No. <laughs> well, no, because, I mean... You know, Amazing was, uh, I think, a little bit older than this. This sounds so this very kiddish. Well, it was probably who was it written by? Well, it was written by Link Lane, who later who who wrote Amazing not too long afterwards. Mm-hmm. This is the 1970s. Remember, the prior month or two, Doc Ock and Aunt May were getting married from because she inherited an island, you know, <laughs> okay. from a relative yeah. that we, that was never identified and we never heard about again. Yeah. One of the Rileys. <laughs> yeah, showed up. Who showed up? Took over Aunt May's house, and then subsequently disappeared once again, never to be seen again. Except that's the- why they had the falling out because she mm-hmm. inherited the island, and they all wanted the island. And, mm. and, 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 and then she went and blew it up. Yeah, that's why they didn't talk to her for years. That makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it did have a nuclear reactor on it. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. The thing, you know, my mom, my mother will be seventy years. Years old next year, and I don't know what she's going to be leaving me, but I'll be guessing that a island with a nuclear reactor is not going to be on the list. <laughs> Probably my brother does that one. This this contributes to Marvel team up having such a bad rap, doesn't it? Well, bad rap. Well, well, six months later we get uh, we get Spider Man and Hercules, and Hercules dragging Manhattan Island back to its foundations after the uh, earthquake machine uh, shakes it off. So uh, I don't know. You know, two issues we got Brother Voodoo showing up. You know, that Brother Voodoo's always good for a laugh. Uh-huh. Oh, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 ho. <laughs> George is a Voodoo fan. Brother Voodoo kicks ass. Brother Voodoo. <laughs> well, all right. I'll, oh, go ahead. No, I was about to say, in, in Marvel Team Up 24, yes, yeah, Spider-Man and uh, Brother Voodoo uh, fight uh, Wally Bevins. So, you know. Who's that? Huh? Who's Wally Bevins? Oh, Wally Bevins was an accountant that Moondog's, um, let's see here, uh, uh, an evil sp- Oh, yeah, there's an evil spirit called Moondog. 
and uh, down in Louisiana, Moondog, the evil spirit, was in Louisiana, and he took over Wally Bevins' body. So Moondog and, and Wally Bevins go up to New York, and that's where Brother Voodoo and Spider-Man find them. Aren't you glad you asked? <laughs> wow. Wow. Also came out this month is the Giant Size Superheroes number one. I don't own this one, Jr. Tell me about is it reprints? Uh, no, it's not, well a little bit. Some of it's reprints, but no, it leads off okay. an original story. Uh, and uh, there, there could be. I, ha, I have to admit, this actually was my first. Um, I may even go, have to go back and, and uh, re, re uh, write some of the some of the old Spidey kicks butts to acknowledge this fact. But when when uh, you asked me what month to choose, and this right. from among the months, I realized, holy cow, it wasn't Amazing 134. It was this one that came out the prior month. That uh, you know that. Tell, tell us the setup. How did you get this as your first issue? I was just. Is this your first comic book or your first Spider-Man? No, 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 no. Well, I had had Spider-Man and other comics before, but like I said, I'd lost them all in a uh, in a move. We had, you know, my right. folks had moved by the time I was around third grade, and you know, Amazing Spider-Man number one hundred was one of the issues that, for whatever reason, didn't survive the move. Um, no, that's. Yeah. yeah, and so well, there's no telling what kind of uh, what shape what kind of shape it would have been in. But uh, anyway, and then there's like a vulture issue that my brother had, but that's an entirely different story. But anyway, this was the first one. I was in the newsstand, and oh man, I gotta have some. Mom, can I have a comic book? Anything? Look how cheap they are, you know. And of course, <laughs> this one was thirty five cents. So oh, it's bigger than the other ones, yeah. I mean, yes. This this was more expensive than the other ones. The other ones were, I think, twenty cents a quarter. Twenty-five cents, yeah. yeah. So this was uh, this was thirty-five cents. So it was real. I really had to be good. Uh, so just to put in context, you inherited other comic books, but this was your very first one you bought. That's correct. Okay, got it. That's correct. That is the first one, and it looks like it too. So <laughs> so I had. To, I mean, it was well read. So I had to. You know, I had to talk about it because uh, when when you brought the month, so yes, this is this is it. And giant size superheroes. Now it's got this has kind of got an unusual history. Um, there's probably a number of reasons you don't have any giant size superheroes uh, because this number one was the only giant size superheroes that was ever published. Uh, really, Marvel apparently in the 1970s. Uh, they might, this must have been the equivalent of throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks, because they were experimenting with a larger page count format. So they had actually started off with something called Giant Size Superstars, starring the Fantastic that the number one, which starred the Fantastic Four, and they were going to have it was going to rotate every month between Fantastic Four. Or Spider-Man and Conan the Barbarian, because if you remember in the 70s, they got the rights to do Conan and Roy Thomas, you know, pretty well. I mean, even though Conan had been around for 40 years, I think it was probably Roy Thomas and Marvel that took it to the next level where, you know, other people would recognize it. And they just and then later, like, made a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Conan was was very big in the 70s. Um, so it was going to rotate. Between these three, and then Marvel, and then Marvel said, "No, no, no! I tell you what, let's 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 do so." Or Stan, I guess, said, "Let's do something else. We'll have giant-sized superstars starring Fantastic Four. We'll have giant-sized superheroes starring Spider-Man, and then we'll come up with giant another giant size, which was going to be giant-sized super teams starring the Defenders." 
and wow. in addition to that, they were going to have Super Giant Spider-Man. Good grief. Yeah. Okay, because... I, I knew none of this. This is cool. Because Super Giant Spider-Man was going to be 100 pages of comics, and it was going to cost the whopping, a whopping 60 cents. <laughs> so, 1980 prices. So, so you were going to have your giant size superhero starring Spider-Man for 35 cents and about 60 pages, and you were going to have super giant Spider-Man with 100 pages for 60 cents. Well, apparently Marvel didn't. Apparently, the next month they changed their mind and figured that that publishing plan wouldn't work. So then they they lapsed the two ideas together, and therefore you got the 50 cent. Giant size Spider-Man, which you know, if if you recall, was more like giant size Marvel team up. It was it lasted about six issues. Uh, yeah. So I I was always confused of what the giant sized were. There was this, then there were like six of the the first giant size from seventy four number one had Dracula in it. Yes, yes, and that's I believe yeah. would be next month, and we've got to talk about that right. too. So. Okay. You know, well, well, I've already called that for next month. So, okay. <laughs> uh, even though it is your show, and e- no, no, and even though earlier in the show when we all talked, when we talked about in the little uh, cube here about whether or not to continue with the Iron Patriot discussion, you said, <laughs> you said I've, yeah, I saw all your comments and I've ignored them. Uh, <laughs> so, you so, uh, the bastards. Look at that behind the scenes of BD Patrol. <laughs> so, yeah. so it is your show, but anyway, but no, it was it was just uh, it was. In fact, they couldn't even their minds kept changing as these as these things were going to press because uh, also in this issue, Roy Thomas, who was I believe Marvel, the Mar- I believe Roy was the editor in chief at this time, or. He was, or he was working. He was about to become. He has to write a half-page apology explaining the the changes in the publishing plans. So apparently, they, you know, even as literally as these things were being printed, Marvel kept changing its mind about what it was going to publish and in what format. So uh, anyway, enough of that. This story is. It's a shame Kevin's not here because this story features Morbius and the Man Wolf. Um. Basically, yeah. what has happened is there's a string of murders of people being drained of blood, and it's moving up the East Coast. And a, and the reporter catch, captures a picture of Michael Morbius, and uh, Robbie is showing it to Peter Parker. You know, Peter's just hanging out in the Daily Bugle one day. Uh, and, uh, oh, this is where Robbie notifies him he's been nom- nominated for Photographer of the Year. But anyway, so... Peter figures, oh my gosh, I've got to go hunting for Morbius. Well, at the same time, John Jameson is going through a personal crisis, and he turns into the man-wolf again. And Morbius then hooks up with the man-wolf and bites him, you know, and, you know, through his fur and all, which must be really gross, you know. And, you know, I I talk about getting a furball in your mouth. But uh, so Morbius bites him because then that means that, you know, he's got him under his control because it says right here, done, your blood is mine, man-wolf. So, but what, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. So what Morbius is wanting to do is he wants the man-wolf to distract Spider-Man because he wants Spider-Man to chase the man-wolf so Morbius can go after this scientist who has, uh, is working on this cure for leukemia which involves, I guess, swapping blood or whatever. So Morbius thinks this will be his cure. 
So he says, well, all I got to do is set the man wolf loose and turn him on, turn Spider-Man on him. Then I can go and I can, you know, find this professor who can who can possibly cure me. Well, that doesn't that doesn't uh, go so well for Morbius uh, because Spider-Man uh, shows up to save the day, and during their colossal knockdown dragout fight, they uh, they destroy all the equipment in the room which the scientist said was essential to his work. Uh, Morbius gets mad and leaves, and Spider-Man and the professor reveal, ha-ha, we pulled one over on Morbius. That was just a bunch of old, old, unneeded equipment that we made him think was the real stuff. So... What the so, heck? <laughs> what, a, what, a, what about yeah. all the leukemia patients who read that article said, wow, you know, there's... Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, never mind. I misunderstood. Like, his research was real. That just wasn't the real equipment. Yeah, yeah. But Morbius, you know, Morbius, uh, didn't, he bought it completely. So so basically what we have is we have Spider-Man fighting the Man-Wolf. The Man-Wolf gets away. Spider-Man fighting Morbius. Morbius gets away. Um, and Peter Parker doesn't win Photographer of the Year. So that's a... So, but, Darn that Parker luck. Yeah, so we tune in. So and, and then the blurb says, tune in again next issue, gang, when we feature a way out thriller we call The Night They Tore Old New York Down. Well, hmm. that never happened. Just like, just like, just like the TV terror in the original Spectacular Spider-Man number three, the night they tore old New York down never happened. So that was that was part of Giant Size Spider-Man number one. Oh yes, looky, here's an ad for Giant Size Chillers, which is the Curse of Dracula. So we had. Uh, we were going to have uh, giant size Spider-Man, giant size Super Teams, and giant size Chillers. So it it wow. have been fun to be a Marvel fan in the seventies. <laughs> I've, I've actually got some of those uh, some of those shorts. You do, yeah. yeah. Well, good month, Jr. It was a good month for you. This is your first store-bought <laughs> yeah, I know comic. I always overstay my welcome on these, but uh, the issue's not done yet. In fact, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, well, you know, I mean, it is your show. There's reason. But, uh, <laughs> but what 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 it also does is it it has some reprints from the first Amazing right. Spider-Man annual, and apparently in the old days they were printing page, uh, one-page profiles of all of Spider-Man's villains, uh, and you've probably seen some of these scats. In, in various reprints, but uh, they uh, they go all the way from the burglar to the Sandman, and they have like little bios. And to show you just how dated some of these are, uh, yeah. and the vital statistics for the Chameleon, real name right. never revealed. Uh, in the vital statistics <laughs> for the Vulture, real name never revealed. Uh, <laughs> in the vitals for the Tinker, real name never revealed. Uh, and then Stan says, all these guys must be afraid they'll be called for jury duty if they give their right names. And of course, at this time, the Tinker is categorized as this strange foe is chiefly to be remembered because of the fact he was the first alien menace Spidey ever fought. Well, if you read Spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man number 50, you know they weren't aliens. So, You know, I was looking, because um, when I was a... Collecting in the 80s, the annuals came out every summer. It looks like they were trying to replace the annuals during the 70s because Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Nine was published in 73, and then they went two years without an annual. Mm -hmm. Amazing Spider-Man Number 10 was published in 76. Mm -hmm. So you think they, they were trying to replace them with this yeah. uh, having a consistent annual coming out several times a year instead of once? A I, year? I think. Well, I mean, I think they were just trying to experiment with. Uh, you know, having different price levels, 
you know, different, yeah. you know, uh, they're trying to capture different parts of the market, you know, like they tried the, the spectacular Spider-Man because they wanted to, wanted to get into the magazine mm-hmm. market. Um, and I think this was just a, a matter of them trying to, you know, experiment with larger sizes in order to make more money. And um, and during the 70s, they were hurting for money, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, the whole comic business about imploded during the 70s until a gentleman by the name of Art Schuster, I believe, uh, came up with the or, – or actually got the idea of the direct market started. Uh, yeah. Because comics, the, the publishers were just dealing with massive waves of returns. And mm-hmm. Schuster said, you know what, if you sell exclusively to me in this particular market area, uh, you won't have, I won't return anything to you. I'll sell them, and then, then if there's any unsold, then I'll eat them uh, <laughs> with a little bit of salt and pepper. Uh, yeah, no doubt. So that started the direct market. Uh, but there's one more feature. It's another reprint. How Stan, it's three pages, how Stan and Steve created Spider-Man. And it's... Uh, Basically, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko spending three issues insulting each other uh, while they do an is- while they do an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Stan wakes up in the middle of the night with a great idea, says he'll phone Steve to wake him up. He won't mind. Needless to say, Steve Steve minds. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's actually it actually it really is funny, you know. Uh, yeah. Lee says, Pew, "Pewy, it looks like you're dr- learning to draw with your eyes shut." And Stan says, you should talk after that corny script you wrote. You know, Stan says, what do you mean? I copied it from one of the best classics I could find. Uh, and they just, you know, go on, on like that. Or Steve would, Ditko wouldn't let anybody take his picture, but apparently he was willing to draw uh, himself. So, I don't know. Weird. This is, uh, hey, if you see this in the back issue, Ben, pick it up. It's a fun read. I need to. I need to. I, it's one of the rare Spider-Man cl- comics I don't have. All right, let's do recommendations before we tackle the message board questions. Uh, Bertoni has an interesting story for his. It's a non-recommendation, if I understand right. Yeah, yeah. About um, actually, yeah, 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 we didn't cover this on the podcast yet, but Walmart is doing um a promotion for uh the uh the Andrew Garfield uh Mark Webb. That's the director, right? Correct. Yeah, Spider-Man movie where there's this bus tour that's like going to different WalMarts and uh. Um, it's going to be in my town a week from today, on June 17th. Yeah, supposedly not all the buses have the same things, but there's like a rock climbing wall. You can play um, a video game and like shoot wet. Like there's all these games and activities. Right. And um, I work with kids, so I read an article in the paper like that this thing was going to be at one of the WalMarts in like three hours. So I'm like, oh, okay, this will be good to take the kids to. I could write about it for the site, post some pictures. So we hightailed to that Walmart, which was about 20 miles away. There was a storm, and supposedly the Walmart and the Sony people were fighting because they wouldn't let them set it up. They can't set it up outside because of the rain, but they had the ability to set it up, up inside, but Walmart wouldn't let them. So at this point, we've driven 20 miles, and we can't – oh, hold on one second. Just got a work text of all things. This is enough of the show. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this this is a work text, so I had to take it. Anyway, yeah, at this point, we've driven 20 miles. Um, right. You know, we, we can't go to this thing, but, you know, because Walmart's fighting with Sony, whatever. So they give us a list of the other places in the area where they're going, which is a different Walmart, which is about 25 miles away on Friday. But, hey, this is a fun thing. We'll drive 25 miles for it. So on Friday morning, we call that Walmart, say, hey – you guys are having the Spider-Man truck coming today at 11, right? Yep. 
Even if it rains, you'll let them set up inside, right? Yep. Okay, cool. So we drive 25 miles to that Walmart. I called to make sure I wouldn't waste the trip. We get there. There's no Spider-Man truck. We go to customers. Oh, no. Oh, just you wait. You have heard <laughs> the half of it. Oh, no. We go to customer service saying, so, what's going on with the Spider-Man truck? They say, and then they're like, oh, yeah, they just called the manager. They're on their way. They'll be here any minute. Just wait around. So this child that I'm with and I wait in this Walmart for 40 minutes. No Spider-Man Ugh. truck. We go to customer service again, and they're like, and we get a different person. Spider-Man truck? What Spider-Man truck? No, no, no. They're not. <laughs> The, the, you know, like, no, 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 they're at our other location today, at which point I'm getting angry. I'm like, Sony told me they were going to be here at 11. Someone on the phone here told me they were going to be here at 11, and your other person said that they were on their way. So they call another Walmart. They say, okay, they're at the Causeway Walmart. We just got off the phone with them. They're there right now. Remember those words? We just got off the phone with them. They're there right now. Then they open up their little Walmart address book point to the address, put their finger on the exact address. This is where they are. It's just 10 minutes away. Head on over there. So I take this child who has now been the two different Walmarts and has driven over like (laughs) four miles, you know. Good God. We go to the next Walmart, which remember, they're there. We got off the phone with them. They're there right now. There's no Spider-Man truck. We talk to the manager there. They say, I don't know what you're talking about. And then look through a bunch of stuff, say, oh, they're coming tomorrow. At this point, I'm going to kill that other Walmart. So I call that Walmart and say, why did you tell me that, that you spoke with them and that they're there right now? And I was angry, so they hung up on me. And I called back, and I said, you did not just hang up on me. And I'm saying, (laughs) Sony told me you guys were going to be here today. Someone told me they're on their way. Apparently they weren't, so whatever. You guys lied about that. You told me that they're at this store. You sent me and a nine-year-old child to this store, and there's nothing there. And now you're hanging up on me? Let me talk to your manager. And then I spoke to a manager, and it got nowhere. And because this is what the manager said, they said, it's not our fault. It's Sony's fault that you guys were inconvenienced. And I said, no, 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 no. Sony didn't tell me to go to all these different Walmarts. Sony didn't say they'll be here at 11. They're on their way. Sony didn't say, look, they're at this address right now. I just got off the phone with them, which that, that's my why would you say I just got off the phone with them? They're there right now. To another mm-hmm. one. That was someone in a Walmart uniform, not a Sony uniform. So I called corporates. Yeah. So three Walmarts, uh, all in all, with round trips over a hundred miles. We never got to see the Spider-Man God. thing. Um, I've lodged a complaint to Walmart corporates. It's coming to another Walmart in Tampa in about um, a oh, week what? and a half. We're gonna try again there because hey, <laughs> we spent this long trying, but. That's horrible. Yeah, so Walmart, Walmart, Sony thing, not going too well. Um, And it was really hard to get an appearance list. Walmart doesn't know what's going on, and they really need to coordinate this thing better with Sony. It looked like it was really cool and a fun thing to take the kids to. So if I wind up seeing it, I'll let you know. Oh, go ahead, Brad. I, I was planning on going to it. If you go, I put a link on our front page at the Crawl Space where you type in your zip code, and it tells you where it allegedly is going to be. So, uh, yeah, you know, actually, I have a better experience. <laughs> you know, that reminds me um, years ago uh, when they had something, they had a, a Walmart promotion for, I think it was Spider-Man 2 or 3. But the whole idea was that there'd be 
these um, like little clues throughout the store that you would follow and like pick up a sticker or whatever and put them in a sticker boot, a sticker book. It was just I don't I don't know exactly what the objective was, but it was it was supposed to be at all WalMarts with Spider-Man. So I decided to take Spencer, and none of the stores were set up for any of this. And the only thing we got was, oh, you like Spider-Man, little boy? You know, one and one Walmart guy said, here, here's a sticker book, and that was it. So wow, it, it's. It- the goal was to get you in the Walmart and shop, is what it was. I imagine Jr. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean that that uh, Bertoni story sounds so typical. I mean, I, oh, I, I I'm convinced that most Walmart employees, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> when, when the manager said it's Sony's fault, and I'm like, no, 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 Sony didn't hang up on me. Sony didn't say we just got off the phone with the other Walmart. They're there right now. Sony didn't tell me they're on their way. That was all Walmart people. So that's why I went to corporate. Uh, a good recommendation, though. And actually, mm-hmm. I've meant to recommend this the last two podcasts, but I keep on forgetting. Um, Eddie D'Angelini, who um, I met in San Diego two years ago, he worked on the Stanley documentary. He was interviewed. Um, we, we had him on one of the San Diego episodes too, and he was on um, a handful. He's a good guy. Yeah, he was on a handful of classics. He's a good guy. He's the guy who um, he, he the whole you know um, Stanley blessing the birth of Ava. Eddie is a big part of what made that happen. That would not have happened awesome. without Eddie. So he has a webcomic now called Collector. It's about him and his wife and um, his crazy collecting habits. And he's been posting them on the front page of Crawl Space. And every Sunday, they are really good. So they are. So you, you guys should all check that out. He just put up a new one today as we record. Yeah. So, Any other recommendations, sir? Um, between Walmart and Eddie, I think, that's, I, th- I think that that's enough for me. <laughs> Don, what do you got this month? Uh, well, on uh, based on previous recommendations, I've actually finally got Netflix. <laughs> Hooray! Oh yeah, awesome. Um, and um, it, it, it's it's a hell of a fun. I'm watching a lot of Doctor Who. I watched a lot of um uh, the old X Men animated series, which I'm not seeing in a while, and I forgot I forgot how awesome that show was. It actually reminded me. Oh yeah, I'm an X Men fan because <laughs> I re- <laughs> I really was into the X Men as a kid, and like this kind of reawakened that. Um, let's see. Is there anything else from that? Uh. I can't think of anything right now. Just Netflix is quite cool. Yep. Netflix is very cool. They just put the Thor movie up there the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, JR, you seen any good movies? Read anything good? Uh, well, I do have a modest recommendation. I haven't had a chance yeah. to get out much, but uh, for various reasons. But uh, we, uh, I took uh, Spencer and uh, my wife. We went and saw Men in Black 3, mm-hmm. uh, which is surprisingly a good movie. Is really? good as the first one? No, it's not, but it's certainly better than the second. But for the trouble, I mean, this thing had a real troubled production history. Um, I mean, apparently they didn't really even have a script when they started filming. Right. And then they, they had to shut it down, the production down, until they actually got a story and, and wrote it. Um, and I guess, you know, Will Smith was acting like Will Smith during the whole process. So, you know, everyone was prepared for it to be this real cluster mess. Uh, but it's actually pretty good, and it's actually got kind of a heart that the other ones didn't have. Uh, you know, going back, uh, I mean, basically the plot is that Agent J, which is, you know, Will Smith, goes back in time to keep K, Tommy Lee Jones, from getting killed by, you know, this, uh, you know, I was going to call him a super villain, but I guess he's a super alien villain. Uh, <laughs> and the Tommy Lee Jones of the 1960s is is just deadpan perfectly portrayed by Josh Brolin. Uh, mm mm-hmm. 
and it has a uh, and it uh, you know it 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 has one of those time travel paradox type you love time travel yeah well <laughs> yeah i do i like time travel stories even though they may, you know they make no sense really but uh, and you kind of have one of those little you know you can see the ending coming you know when a certain character shows up you can just <laughs> you can see where this is going oh uh, yeah but it's it's still kind of a nice moment it yeah, it really it's still kind of, I, is. I can't believe and, how much money it's made. Yeah. It, it made uh, 135,000 uh, million. <laughs> <laughs> made 135 bucks here in the United States. That's no, 135 million. Thirty dollars now. Yeah, that's true. It, it's a, but overseas, it's made. Get you a sandwich on the movie set these days. Overseas, the foreign box office, it's made three hundred and fifty-two million dollars for a grand total of four hundred eighty-seven million dollars. So that's why they made. Men in Black 3. So, but Man. the funny thing is, I don't know if they're going to... I mean, they could easily end the series with this one because it, it ends on one of those notes where... I mean, obviously, yes, they could make more sequels, but if they end it, it's a good ending. But the thing is, Tommy Lee Jones is in his 60s now, and I don't know who did his makeup trying to make him look younger, but it's a pretty bad makeup job. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the... I mean, I noticed it, and I'm not... I, I don't... I mean... I, I like I've always said I don't have a good eye for for things you know I mean it's like if it only if it's so bad do I really notice something and this is bad and my wife even said boy they said Tommy Lee's she said he's getting a little bit long in the tooth for these I mean they uh, look, they tried to make him look younger didn't they and I said yeah they did didn't work did it so he he looked old in the first one well he looked craggy. You know, but mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, he looked like a you know a, a craggy middle-aged man, but now he's starting to look old. But it wasn't that he's looking old; it was that they're trying to make him not look so old. And it's a did I hear somebody agreeing with me in the background that he's actually got a very noticeable makeup job? Yeah, he looks really old. <laughs> Dang. It was like they were trying to make him look younger, and it had the opposite effect. It just reemphasized that he's getting older. Well, yeah, he's got severe, yeah. Anyway, uh, any other uh, more like Nixon? <laughs> any other recommendations, sir? No. All right, uh, George, what do you got? Um, season four, uh, True Blood just came out on DVD. Uh, I just recently got into True Blood. Watched um, the first three seasons basically back to back. They're awesome. I know. I was waiting for season four. People ask me who don't know it, so that you know, I just I didn't think it was. It sounded interesting, but. You know, a friend of mine got me into it, and I started watching it, and it's it's like it's like Swamp People meets uh, meets Dark Shadows or something. I don't know. It's it's just nuts. So, um, you know, it came out on DVD, and I've already watched season four. I don't have HBO, but I watch uh, season five, or I watch HBO with friends of mine on like Sunday nights. Uh, so I just got done with Game of Thrones season two, which was really good, and so uh, season. Uh, Five of True Blood plus it starts on uh, HBO. It starts tonight. Yeah, tonight's tonight. And yeah. um, also, uh, uh, oh, the Gorillas, which I got into because of a stripper. <laughs> the Gorillas? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I was at the a gorillas. bachelor. The the music group, the Gorillas, the the virtual. Music oh. Okay, I've never heard of them. So, um, yeah, well, I'm, they were like around for like, or they've been around for like ten years. But uh, mm-hmm. no, I uh, I was at a bachelor party. On Friday night, and some you know big jiggly blonde came out and danced to uh, <laughs> to this, the gorilla. This one song. Well, they had a hit early on called Clint Eastwood. Yeah, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with Clint Eastwood. And um, 
And it it was I mean it's a, it's a very catchy it's got a very catchy beat the vocals are very catchy I, I love the arrangement in these songs they're just I mean they're all over the place so um, I came home watched a couple of videos after that you know and, um, and then I went uh, I went and bought some of their stuff yesterday and it's uh, it's been very good it's the stuff I like is really really good the st- when they get it wrong or you know when it's something I don't like it, it it goes way the hell off the chart and I'm just like whoa that that was a misfire and then I'll just go on to the next one but it's it's pretty interesting that's cool any other recommendations sir um no father's day's coming up mhm so tell True. your dad you love him all right my recommendations uh george alluded to this one i uh, have one more episode before the season finale of season one of Game of Thrones, yes. and it's been on it's been on my DVR for a year, and so I have season two to get through on my DVR also. But I'm uh, my wife and I have been watching it when we can. It's a good show, man. It's just epic. Very good, very good show. Um, I watched uh, another good uh, show, the uh, the BBC version of Sherlock Holmes. I'm on the third episode of season one of that one. Uh, what's his name, Jr. That's going to play Khan, Benedict Cumberbund. <laughs> Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Got it. It's a got weird it. name. It is a weird name, but a good show. Very good show. It's a modern take on Sherlock Holmes, and I'm probably the last one that hasn't seen it. So, and last episode or last month, I had not seen it, but now I have seen it, and I recommend The Avengers. Love that good. movie. Seems like everybody loves that movie. Uh, favorite scene is when Hulk punches Thor. <laughs> when they fight all the uh, Loki's bad guys, and there's a quiet moment, and then bam! Loved it. Loved it. All right, Did that's you hear my that, like, the, the, like, uh, committee for, like, adopted people or something like that, like, lodged a complaint against the movie and is demanding an apology? Right. Because of About the, what? Because, um... There's the joke where they're like, Loki, you know, you can't talk about Loki. He's my brother. He's killed millions of people. He's adopted. He's adopted. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, like some, some adoption I, like I, agency or like <laughs> lodged a complaint. It's hilarious. Well, come on. Come on. All right. Iron, we're going to tackle message board questions now. Iron Patriot from China. To everyone, have you ever had any sketches done? And if not, what would you like if price was no object? I still have right next to me the, uh, the commission that um, Todd Nock did for, for uh, Secret when I was in San Diego this past last year. Oh, nice. S- Secret Young Justice, is that the – she's like uh, the Will-O-Wisp or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like the ghost character. Ghost character, yeah. Um, I have had a couple – Given to me, I didn't ask for them, but uh, they they turned out really nice. Uh, I did a story. Um, my day job's I'm a reporter, and I did a story with a children's book author. And he, as a thank you uh, for the story, he dropped off by the station Spider-Man watching me on the news on a television. Oh yeah, I've seen that. So I I love that picture, and uh, also. Gerard, who used to be on our website, did a couple images for uh, the crawl space that I have framed in my office. So that's what I've got. Jr., you said you'd, if money was no object, you'd have Ramita paint you something or draw you something uh, in the past. Yeah, I, I've never had a commission done, um, but it, you know the question was asked. You know, if money was no object, uh, and yeah, 
I, I would I would love to have a Romita do a picture of Spider Man and the Green Goblin with their mask off, so it's clearly Peter and Norman in a mm-hmm. in a fight to the death, and then like Mary Jane is in the background in some kind of dire peril, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, but Osborne and, Sp- and Peter are going at it. I, that would be, but and Os, I mean, and Romita is like probably in his eighties. He probably didn't do commissions anymore, but uh, you know, I. I uh, but uh, another uh, another artist who I wouldn't mind having a commission done would be Terry Moore, who did the uh, Strangers in Paradise series, and uh, also I yep. think was did a, had a brief run on Birds of Prey and some other uh, Marvel and DC stuff. In my Spider-Man basement, <laughs> in my Spider Cave, I have a great scene similar to that. Jr. is uh, penciled by Alex Ross, and it's a looking up shot of Spider-Man the Goblin fighting with the, all the city in the background. It's a great looking image. I don't know if you've seen that one. Anybody else? Who would you like a commission from? If money, if we I don't can, think you could pay Ditko enough. Actually, I was going to say, like, yeah, if if money is no object and this is our wild wildness imagination, screw it. I'm going to go for gold. Um, Ditko to draw because he never got a chance to draw um, MJ because she wasn't mm-hmm. like, yeah. except with a flower or a tree covering her. So what, how how he would have drawn her if he would have done her introduction. Or his version of the face of Tiger scene. That's what I like because A, you know, that's you know, a piece of history that never got done. And B, um, think of how much money I could flip that shit for. Or like if <laughs> I put or if I put it online or something like that, you know, for everyone to see the site we get so many hits. Even C B R even C B R would have to kiss our asses. Bertoni's got a new Discovery Channel show called Flip That Shit <laughs> with the comic books. <laughs> uh Don, any commissions you'd like? Um, I was my favorite artist doing Batman, Spider-Man. Um, because I honestly I think um I draw when I can find the time, and, I, and Spider-Man is a lot more fun to draw. So like I would probably get like um uh Rob Gilroy who does Chew to draw Spider-Man. I'd probably get like I don't know Neil Adams to draw Spider-Man. I'd try to get like people who you don't typically see draw Spider-Man. I like to see their take on it. Hmm, that's true. Uh, George. Any any commissions you'd like to have? Money, oh. no object. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> what happened? Oh, I'm, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> that was random. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. You mean like what I have to stay in line for at a convention? No, no, they're coming to you. You've got all the money, baby. Mm. You know, John nah. Byrne does good commissions. I think that's how he makes his living nowadays. Yeah, no, I'm I'm blanking. You're, you're blanking. Nothing really good. I can't think of anything. Okay. Uh, to anyone, when to make a joke about the type of commission John Byrne would do, but we would get in so much trouble. He does some good, have you seen his commissions? They're awesome. They're awesome. John Byrne said some stuff online that was really disturbing that I can't even repeat on the air. Well, give us the Reader's Digest. Don't tease us like that. What do you uh, do? We'll I'll, 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 type, I'll type it in the chat window. The listeners want to hear. <laughs> listeners can find it out. Just go on Wiki, Wiki quote and find John Burns. What's, what's the What's he ranting on? What's he talking about? <laughs> oh, okay, we can't talk about that. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, I don't want to defend him. <laughs> I got Mr. When Slot leaves Amazing Spider-Man, which book would you want to see him do? Um, yeah, when Slot leaves Amazing. Sonic the Hedgehog. He's done The Avengers. Phineas and Ferb. He's done She-Hulk. He, I, I think 
what what's his strengths? I, I guess it's humor. Yeah, his strength is nothing really serious. So like in, in a cartoon, yeah. he he did the first issue of that Ultimate Spider-Man uh, cartoon adaptation comic, so he could just do that forever. Wow. Um. um this humor. Who's a funny character in the Marvel Universe? It's a Human Torch solo book. You know, he said he's always wanted to do, like, fantastic books. He, and he did the Thing book. That was pretty good. Yeah, I agree. The Thing was really good. Uh, he's always wanted to try um, Moon Knight. That's a gritty character, though. I don't think there's much humor in Moon Knight. Anyway. Carly, don't her I- book about her solving mysteries in her van with her best friends, Nora Winters. And a, and a great Dane. Uh, to... <laughs> <laughs> the Nor Winter's Mystery Machine comic. <laughs> Donovan, what are some of your favorite quotes and moments from the Nick Hammond Spider-Man series? Ooh. Mine is when Jonah asks Peter how he got his pictures, and Peter replies, simple, I believe, and then walks away to cheesy 70s music. I remember that. That was, that was really corny. <laughs> um, or, I mean, they aren't on DVD. I mean, they're my, I guess YouTube is the only way to see them. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, because I really like that. Um, yeah. The only one I remember is like from the Clone Talk episode, and I know Josh has quoted it before, but like when, you know, <laughs> the, the Peter's in, his, in, 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 in the uh, it's a costume party, so Peter's dressed as Spider Man. He's right. in the bathroom, uh, uh, I think fixing his camera. Then like uh, evil Ben Riley comes at him with a gun. He's like, he turns like, that's right, Peter. I'm you. You're me. And this is a gun. Now <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I'm thinking with your brain. I'm always one step ahead. So come on, put your uh-huh. mask on. Let's go out, get some air. And then, like, um, he says, so, Spider-Man dies, you know, and you'll take over my life, right? Wrong! And they get, to, get into a big fight. It's fun. But J.R. and George, weren't that, wasn't that the coolest thing back in the 70s and early 80s? Spider-Man was on TV. I mean, I, I thought it was awesome. I was a little boy, so I didn't really care how different it was. Well, your definition of cool obviously was not the same as my <laughs> definition of cool. You didn't like the Spider-Man TV show even as a I kid? I loathed it. Well, I was a teenager at the time, and and at first it was, um, I mean, I was up, I don't know, I mean, I I tolerated the first movie. I mean, I was excited about it, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, 13 years old, Spider-Man's going to be on TV. TV. I was excited about it, but I was just so disappointed in the series. Uh, I just loathed it. It got to the point where I wouldn't watch it anymore. I just thought it was so bad. So, no, never thought it was cool. The thing is, what they did with the Hulk, they varied, they altered his origin, but they made it work. I mean, f- for five seasons. The Hulk, Spider-Man, it didn't work. Yeah. Hence why you also had an actor and Bill, a seasoned veteran in Bill Bixby to carry the show. So, you know, and, and I think Nicholas Hammond gets a lot of, ba- you know, I mean, you know, he, it wasn't his fault the show failed. He didn't have anything to play off of. You know, True. but, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't an actor like Bixby who could carry a show. And Bixby, held, I mean, you know, I think that I think that was part of the Hulk's appeal. I would agree. That, and, was and the damn piano music at the end. Oh man, it makes me cry. I think, that, I think that that shows a lot more revered and respected. You know, like he, even through its dated stuff, as opposed to the Hammond show, which is uh, not. Well, the Hulk show was a lot more serious. The Hulk was a lot like Love Boat. Yeah, yeah. Every week it was a, it was a new supporting cast. Yeah. And there were some really well, I was ter- Hulk. but there were some really great episodes in the Hulk show. Yeah, but like, and there were some really Hulk. bad movies at the end. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, the, the, the Hulk was produced by uh, Kenneth. The TV show was produced by Kenneth Johnson, who right. also did the first V. And I mean, he was a fairly well-respected director at, at the time. So 
Uh, and he had nothing to do with those movies at the end, from what I understand. So that's probably one reason they were so bad. Exactly. Spider, uh, did we get the last question? Yes. Uh, Spider Venom from Bay Area, California, Brad and JR. What did you think of Spider-Man Annual number 39? I just read that the other day. What's your opinion, JR? Uh, I burned stole part of it. Um, it it's an, uh, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. It's a, a retread theme, and uh, it uh, executed very poorly. I'm a sucker for Uncle Ben, and the part where he hugs him, and he is the alternate Uncle Ben. I mean, I know Peter David's done it before, but it just always tugs at your heartstrings. And I, I, I thought it was kind of a cheap little plot. It was what's the kid at Tricorp's Grady Scraps? Is uh, that it? Grungy Scrote. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Those to be a memorable character that we'll talk about for decades to come. Grungy scrotum, yeah, good god. Um, <laughs> I've waiting for a anyway, while to use that. That's that's freaking sweet. Oh, by anyway, the way, yeah. by the way, look at pictures of that Ramos has drew of Grady Scrabs, and then look at like spectacular issues from like ten years ago when he was drawing uh, Big John the Kiwi Kid. Oh lord! Just oh yeah, that. I know exactly what you, they look very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody like the annual besides me? I anybody actually thought it was decent. I mean, it, I it wasn't. I didn't. Think, I did not think it was bad. I thought what they were doing—they're kind of making a light story. I thought it was fine for what it was. It wasn't perfect, but like, it, I didn't think it was like as bad as like slots writing can be. Like the last several annuals haven't been that great, especially last year's annual, which was a team up with Hulk and Deadpool. My God, it's horrible. Uh, but when Peter, op- when Uncle Ben opens the door, that just gets me. Anyway, Chris, uh, Chris is on. Let's see if we can answer this question. Did you read the latest Venom issue? If so, what did you think about Eddie Brock as Toxin? In your opinion, would that make a great Toxin story? Bertoni and Don, you read those, don't you? You read Venom. That's what happens. Yes, we do. <laughs> Here, hit um, it. Ven- Venom Toxin attacks him. It's, he, t- symbiotes are, like, need to be, like, now they're like dinosaurs. Like, all of a sudden, you know, like, Eddie Brock has Toxin. And I know, like, it was mutated by the Crime Master. He's like a huge dinosaur, and uh, I think Brock has, in the last six years, he's had so many motivations. He's a dying cancer patient who's psychotic because he's seen the symbiote, but it's not really there. He's a recovering cancer patient working at a soup kitchen. Now he's anti-venom, and he wants to cleanse the souls of everyone. Now he wants to be a sidekick, you know, and... and they don't know what to do with him, Spider-Man. basically. Then he's, you know... Um, then he's hunting down other symbiotes because, you know, they're bad and he needs to cleanse the earth from them. Now he's a symbiote again. This is all within the last few years. Like, give this guy a motive. I don't know. It's. And I. I and that's also, like, the third symbiote that he's had in the last few years. Just either retire the character or something. Eddie Brock's character is just so screwed. I mean, they really have screwed him, haven't they? Is there anything left to do with him? And I did not read the other Toxin series, but there's a lot of Patrick Mulligan or or whatever right. the secret I like. People like that guy has has a fan base or whoever his other secret identity was, and there's people upset that he was basically like they don't even they don't even say where he is. It's implied that he's killed off panel, but they don't even tell you. It's implied. That's the legacy of this character. My brother uh, uh, stole my Venom trades from our room. And like read like, like the original like you know like David Michelinie, Todd McFarlane, Mike, Mark Bagley stuff, and mm-hmm. um, he really liked it. But he thought that like Eddie Brock's character is so insane, at least back then was so insane that like there's nothing you can do with him besides kind of like either kill him off or have Spider-Man try to like reason with him because his motivations from the beginning are are, are messed up. So like I think they kind of 
I think it's kind of getting worse and worse when they don't really need to. They don't know what to do with them, so they're kind of just throwing stuff at the wall. Yeah. And we'll wrap the show up right about there. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. An example of their great prices is on Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 15. In this one, Miles Morales teams up with Captain America and tries to join the Ultimates. And will they let him in? Who knows? Anyway, the cover price of the book is $3.99. Mail Order has it for just $1.99, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com.